0: I to take a brief moment just to encourage you. Uh, this past Wednesday night, I don't know how many of you were here on last Wednesday night, um, but uh, yes, a smaller crowd, but it's okay. Uh, I, I want you to know that it was pretty powerful and there's still an open invitation for you to be here for a specific word that God has given to our house that will impact you and help you actually start the year um, the right way. Um, we, we kind of focused on consecration this last time and this next time we'll focus on the impartation. There'll be a move of God. There'll, His spirit's going to move I don't know in what, uh, what exact way but it'll be very powerful for you. I want um, Amanda to come on up and give a quick testimony of just how Wednesday night... Come on, let's give her a good God bless you as she comes.
1: This was very unexpected, so I'm sorry I was not ready. Um, So Wednesday night, we were learning about consecration, and for me, it basically showed me that even though God has changed me a lot, there's still a lot of work in me he's trying to do Um, during the women's praise or the women's worship night I was really thinking every time we brought up sin like I'm clean I can't think of what my sins are and I'm like God has done miracles and then Wednesday night just kind of showed me that no matter how far we've come from the sin patterns we knew about they're still ones that we don't know about. So I just really prayed hard, and God revealed some things to me that may seem like simple things, but they're still taking me far from God because I'm still doing them. And cussing was one of them, which (laughs) Pastor James was talking about, and I realized um, (laughs) I think I'm pretty good. But... um, Sometimes I'm not. (laughs) You know, it just comes from years of being in the restaurant business and I'm working on it. So uh, God is good. And if you allow him to and you really just come face to face with him and you're honest, he'll never judge you and he'll only help you. And that's why I love him so much.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Amanda. That's powerful. Isn't it fun to know that God still has a place where he can like, put his finger on stuff in our life. And if you were there that night, all of us, did, there, there was no one. That, God put his finger on all things that we could repent for and change for. We were all on the altar and on our face just, just asking God's forgiveness and thanking him for who he, for who he is. Um, we, we need those little bursts and those little helps. So Wednesday night, you want to come? We're going to get part two of that, and it's going to be pretty powerful, and it's great. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much uh, for who you are and what you're doing. I pray as we get into your word that you would help us, lead us and guide us into the truth we need to know. We praise you so much and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I absolutely love Christmas time. I love the songs and I love the decorations. If you don't have your decorations up yet, I'm mad at you. Um, because we need group participation to create the whole feeling of uh, Christmas in our neighborhood, so please. uh, You know, I know that for some it's a Scrooge kind of, you know, uh, Grinch type season for you, it's okay. You know, even the Grinch can wear a hat sometimes. So, uh, I I just want you to know, I I love Christmas. I love the, uh, the pageantry of it and everything. And so, I grew up having those type of experiences that were just gratuitous and, and big and it was just, the big moment this is great. I do have a friend in this church who I compete with all the time about how many Christmas trees we can have and who can have the most amount of trees up. Um, she wins. She knows who she is. Um, she has several. Um, and they stay up a long time, like a whole year. Anyway, God bless. God bless. <laughs> you know who you are. You know who you are. Okay. So, But my experience growing up for Christmas was radically different than Debbie's experience. And I'm sorry, David. I would like to use you as an object lesson in the message. Thank you for giving me your permission. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, she grew up just differently. You know, their idea of celebrating Christmas didn't involve gift exchange. You know, it was just cocoa and carols. You know, cocoa and caroling. And in fact, they would spend Christmas Day like all day in church worshiping God. And I want you think I have a problem with worshiping God. I just don't want to do it on Christmas Day when I want to be at home. You know, open. I just going to tell the truth. You know, you don't want to be here either. That's why we don't have a Christmas Day service. You know it. Don't leave me out there by myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyway, they had to, the, you know, we had a Christmas Day service. And it was, it, it, it was long. In fact, she's she happy about it now. She wants us to bring Christmas Day back. If it comes back, it was her. Anyway. When it, and one year, one year, one year, we decided we were going to spend Christmas in Detroit, and so we was going to do the Detroit Christmas experience. And my kids were young, and we we got up early and went to church and stayed at church, and then we served, served. They didn't open them gifts till nine o'clock at night. They was cr- called Christmas mad. They was just Christmas mad. I don't think they fell in love with Jesus. I think they fell out of love with Jesus and they was just, it took them a year to probably recover. Jesus stole Christmas from us. <laughs> How Jesus stole Christmas. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> I apologize, I apologize. Oh Jesus, help me. So, our so, first year of marriage, I was happy that I could, you know, disciple my wife into the true meaning of Christmas. You know, I was like, oh, it's, it's our traditions now. We're going to bring some real traditions. They got our tree and everything. And I was so proud of her. It was under, Christmas morning, just me and her, you know. I had a big box wrapped, you know, of uh, uh, stuff. And so I, I opened my, my one gift, but I was okay because it was new for her. And I opened it up. And, and this is a little indelicate, but I just want to say it. I opened it up and it was just rolls of underwear. I mean, I could, I could, it's five years worth of underwear. No, really. Socks and T-shirts. And, and I was like, man, this discipleship is bad. And I just, I just told her, this is a horrible gift. I just said this, I want you to know, this is a horrible gift. This is not what you give people on Christmas. I said, I didn't want this. She said, you may not have wanted it, but she said, Do you need it? Because <laughs> I was looking, I thought you needed that. I thought Christian. And <laughs> and and I saw a contrast between her life and my life that was quite obvious. She was always doing the more practical, needed thing. I mean, she was never confused about the real meaning of Christmas, Uh, never. Um, She was always doing the practical thing, and she was always involving me in what was needed, but not what I wanted. As we look at our Bible characters today, and we actually put ourselves in the story, we might see that we had that same dilemma that I found during Christmas time, that, God seems to always be giving stuff we need and hardly ever giving us the stuff we want, when we want it, the way we want it, and how we want it. It's as if he doesn't know how to get the list and check it twice. It's like he's, he's not figuring it out. And he needs discipleship from the guy who really gets that right, you know, reward me based on my, how I did. We're going to be looking at famous scripture in Isaiah nine, we're gonna start at the sixth verse, and I want you to know that this was a bleak time in the nation, this is a time of rebellion in the nation, this is a time that the scripture actually describes as darkness in the nation, and God is about to speak to this nation something that they desperately need in this hour. Here's what their Christmas gift was. Isaiah nine, six and seven. I'm going to say, ready, read, and we're all going to read it together online at home, here in the sanctuary. Ready, read. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, And of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end on his throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it. See, this sounds so good. But if you are receiving this when you're anticipating something else, It sounds so inconsequential. Why are you, you you know, you just think to me, unto us, here's what's given in my dark hour, here's what's given in my hopeless hour, here's what's given in my moment of rebellion. You're going to give me a child. Not like kids. But kids don't always feel like a gift once you find out how much they need. It's just fun initially. It's like getting the Christmas puppy and it's all cute and jumps off the bottom and then it poops. And then you realize, oh, this is not a gift. I've been tricked. I, I've been tricked. I, got, I, got, I thought the cute thing was going to stake you. No, they smell, they do all kinds. Of, they, need, they need grooming and they vet bill. When you think about being in need or anticipating somebody actually helping you. See, this group, of, of people were, were getting negative words from the Lord about their behavior and the judgment that was pending. God had prepared a group of people called the Assyrians who were gonna come and just basically wipe them out. And, and this group is never clamoring for what they really need him to do. They're staying in their rebellion, they're staying in their, their, their way of thinking, and, and, and God gives them something they don't anticipate. A word about a baby. A word about a man who can solve things. Now, I want you to know a baby it, as the answer is only like potential. But right now when I'm asking the Lord for something, I got like a right now crisis, a right now problem. I need something that needs to be fixed now. I got, you know, you know baby needs shoes like Bill need do. You know, Lord, baby. No, I mean, that's years. He can't help me. And so can you imagine that there's 300 words about Jesus coming, what he'll say, what he'll do, how he'll die, how, how he'll be right, and in, in this pattern that whenever man's in crisis, Jesus re or reiterates or reintroduces this type of promise of a baby. And It doesn't sound fun, it just sounds like something to do. I can remember, you, you guys all remember the first place you were. For those of you who are, um, have children, when you found out you were having a child, you, you're, a, you're a baby. She raised her hand. Maybe you're little, a your little baby? Yeah. Yes, okay. <laughs> I can't keep her in the mess. Yeah, her little play baby. Um, you, you know, you, you remember where you were. I remember exactly where I was. And when, when my wife gave me the news over the phone, that we were going to have our first child, and initially you're excited. I mean, you didn't know what to do with yourself. You kind of lose your breath for a minute. You want to and then I just sat in the street. I sat on the curb because it hit me. Oh, I'm responsible for another human. It's like when you get married and you realize, yeah, my mama can't help me no more. You know. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, it's me. (laughs) Okay, yeah, okay, what are we we doing, honey? Oh, God. You just, because you wanted a baby, but you realize, man, I'm not equipped. Because we think there's help, but in God, all of the prophecies that God gave about this baby who who unto us a a, a son, a a child is born. This, there are people that we look to to show up in our life who can never help us. But in this situation, what God thought the world needed, what God thinks we need is a baby, but it's no ordinary baby. The Bible says he wrapped himself in the likeness of sinful flesh, but he did not sin. The Bible said, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. The Bible says that he was tempted and always like us, but yet without sin. Then the Bible says, Unto us a child is born, but unto us a son is given. So he makes a distinction between the man and God. The Son is the second person of the Trinity. He has always been the Son. He 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 was begotten, not made. Uh, He is eternally God. And so what happened was something divine and unique. Uh, In theological terms, they call it the hypostatic union. God did not cease to be God, but he added to his divinity, humanity. Because there's no man that ever existed who could save you. There's no angel who ever existed who can, 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 can give you a breakthrough. But there is an eternal God who became a man that's given to you as a gift. And, and I don't want you to see what God is doing. He's saying no matter how dark, no matter how bleak, no matter how much you list to me what you need, there's nothing more that you need than Jesus as a gift. Jesus as a gift. God with us, Emmanuel. As you read that verse again, it says, uh, oh no, no, I wanted, I wanted to encourage you with a little video testimony from one of the members of our church uh, that, that had a situation. just to show you how a child could be the answer that you're looking for. Let's look at this video.
2: Hi, my name is Heather Hawkins. I faced my first unplanned pregnancy when I was almost 21 years old. I was scared, afraid, just all alone. I made one phone call to an abortion clinic in Memphis. When we arrived at the clinic, I thought that I was going to receive some kind of help and some kind of care. I was really waiting for someone to come in and rescue me, and nobody came it was the darkest day of my life and when i left the clinic that day i began to live my life on death row for the decision that i had made i didn't feel like my life was worth anything because i had taken the life of my unborn daughter so i plummeted into heavy addiction alcoholism drugs and unhealthy relationships i basically tried to kill myself for 10 years Most people say, what is your rock bottom? What has to happen to you for you to change and get better? For me, it was my second pregnancy, my daughter Grace. When I faced my second pregnancy, abortion did not enter my mind. The only thing that entered my mind was I wanted to know the God who had seen everything that I had done, but still would give me a second chance at being a mom. So I began to pray. He named my daughter Grace, and four months after she was born, I surrendered my heart heart and life to Jesus Christ. He took away years of addiction, of unhealthy relationships, and gave me back my life. I am 17 years uh, clean and sober, so I knew pain and destruction, but that's not what God met me with. He met me with His love. A baby in the womb led me to Christ. The way that I came to Bethel was I was at a birthday tea uh, this year, um, and a Debbie was sitting across the table from me. I was going through one of the most painful times in my life. Uh, I was heartbroken and even at moments suicidal. I had lost my will to live. I had lost my purpose. And I'm a person that is known for being full of life. And I was just hurt and devastated. When I told her my mission, which is Mercy's Garden, which is the help and healing for ladies who've been through abortion, She just zeroed in on that and just like spoke to me from across the table. She just spoke life over me. She invited me to this Bible study and it absolutely changed my life. I drove an hour and a half to get here every week and the first two times I was like, God, why are you doing this to me? Why am I coming all the way to Nashville? And then He revealed that this is so much bigger than my pain and heartache. This is more about what He wants to do in my life and the lives of so many others. This Bible study and this church helped save my life. Thank you so much.
0: One of the reasons I like um, that testimony because every around Christmas time, my mind is triggered about the value of children, the value of a baby, the value of the unborn. And I just begin to think to myself, that if Jesus' destiny was cut off, we'd be cutting off our answer, we'd be cutting off life. And, and then I thought how the world kind of uh, has accepted a, a, a narrative, and I don't want us as a church that we ignore it. That, this, these type of things that were her testimony actually happen in people's lives. But there is hope after that moment. There's recovery after that moment. There's blessings after that moment. There's things God can do to 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 heal you from the brokenness you experience um, from going through something like that. And 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 throughout the, the time of this church, many 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 of uh, many people have come and, and and been healed. So I know that during the Christmas season when we begin to talk about children, I know that this is and the families and stuff. This is something that really begins to percolate in people's mind. I wanted to take a moment and just make sure we minister there. Yes. And if you interact during this holiday season with someone's brokenness at that level, you, you, you can encourage them. Yes. And you can, you can lift them up. There is life in Christ. He, Jesus is a gift. And he came as a baby. So we can always value each other. We can always value each other as human beings. The next thing he did, he said, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. This, this demonstrates Jesus has authority to give you a gift. Jesus has the power. Jesus has all power in his hand. Jesus is not looking for, when they said the government should be, this is the authority. This is not just uh, spiritual authority. He has legitimate authority over kings and, and Congress and, and, and judges. He has authority. He has power. Uh, and, and, and he receives it. When it says his government is on the shoulder, he, re, he lives in it. He's active. And I think it's difficult for us to feel like God is active in government because government is so polarizing right now. It's like, you know, we, we, we more so think, how is it that you could be Democrat, or how is it that you could be Republican, or how is it that you could have voted this way or that way? And and as soon as somebody exposes uh, what their heart is in a governing situation, we feel like that's the opportunity to separate from them. Oh, y'all quiet, I'm right where I need to be. Yes, came down your street, praise God. Let's just come down there further. Let's just get into the block, in the middle of the block. Let's go Romans 13 and one. (laughs) He says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which is from God. Let's just stop there for a moment. God has never been outside of power. God is in the governing authorities' power. God has selected therefore men and women to be in power who have opposing views with God and opposing views of one, with, with each of us, but yet there are authorities established by him. So I know the popular thing to do is when you find somebody who has a different point of view to you, than you to cancel them or cut them off or to, to separate from them, but not so. Because if you want to separate from people, you must first separate from God, but he, he allowed authorities to get in there the first king that Israel had, he picked, his name was Saul. He was horrible. And it was God's choice. You're always going to have some political leaders that, that don't do exactly what we want them to do, but that doesn't mean that they're not an authority and their authority is not legitimate. As those who exist has been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists the, or, re, resists the God that has appointed it. And those who resist will incur, inc- incur judgment. Now, you, you just, I just want to park here for a moment. Because as American citizens, we are predisposed to fight and resist things that don't agree with our pers- particular persuasion. But, but there is a way that a believer resists that is different than how the world resists. So you have a belief you have a, a American right to resist a certain way and, 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 and get mad and rage against the machine, but then you have God's way, who may tell you to be patient, may tell you to be kind, may tell you to be loving, may tell you to speak those things that be not as though they are, may tell you to go serve in the king's house and 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 help turn the king's heart. He see the believers don't work based on the world system, they work based on God's system. Okay, I'm I'm going to stay in the scripture longer. That's okay. It's okay. Verse 3. For the rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but bad. Would you have no fear of those who are authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, the avenger who carries out God's wrath on wrongdoers. Uh, This does not mean that God approves of bad governing behavior. This just means that God has a process of dealing with it that is different than your process. When the children of Israel were in slavery to Pharaoh for 400 years, There was no scripture that told them, there was no prophecies that told them to rise up and reject the evil system. But there was promises that a deliverer was going to come. In the fullness of time, that God was going to raise up a man who was going to set right something that was wrong. There's nothing, see, he knows what we need. We know what we want. He's trying to give us a gift. He says authority, Jesus' authority gives you an opportunity for a gift, but guess what? Maybe we don't want that. We've got a list of how we want him to solve it, how we want him to fix it, how we want him to deal with it, but we don't have the authority. And we're not walking away with what we want, but we are walking away with what we need. Notice that in the scripture I'm reading, you're not really getting the problem solved. You're just getting a Lord that can solve problems. That's what they were getting. They weren't getting the fix. They weren't getting the the, the bullet points. They were just getting the the understanding that the help was on the way and they needed to receive that help. The temptation to take matters into our own hand is high. I was uh, the captain of my football team and I remember the powerless feeling I felt when they revolted against my leadership one day. They did. They just revolted. They just left. And I just, I realized, oh, I don't have power. Like I thought I did. I remember, uh, I was, I was, I remember when I won being president of my, uh, of my high school. And it, you ever win something, but you didn't anticipate winning. And then you won, you didn't have nothing to say. That was me. Like I did, I did. What's, what's your platform? I didn't have one. I just wanted to, you know, I could speak well and it went well for me, but I, I didn't plan on winning. And then there are moments where you understand, ah, I get where authority comes from. See, that was man voted. That was coach appointed. But then there was a moment when they laid hands on me to be the senior pastor of this church and some supernatural grace came on my life to lead with wisdom and authority and, and power and capacity to love a bunch of people from different walks of life and different nationalities and different needs and somehow God did it because it's the gift that's being given of his authority imparted to me is from God, and it's supernatural. His authority gives them the power to heal, the power to dismiss the devil. He gives them the power to, to forgive. It, it, it's, the, it's the power of the spirit within you. Jesus has authority, will you receive his gift? Finally, he said, for unto us the child is born, unto us the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You know, I was going back to Debbie's story, living a life where she calls on his name. She grew up, she had been in the ministry since she was 12 years old, calling on his name. You know, I was calling on his name like out of convenience. I wasn't really, you know, it was the, the religious thing to do. You know, you you, know, you I was going to candlelight service. I was, you know, doing my thing, but it was about checking the box, my God box so that I could get back to the life I wanted to do. Jesus, Jesus is worthy of praise for his gift. He's wonderful. It's unexplainable why he would love us. And when we sing that song, he loves us, oh how, he loves us, oh how, he, and you just, you just keep singing that and then you realize, well, what, like why? Yeah. I know me. You know, I'm I'm struggling with that concept for myself. Why is he loving me? I know my weaknesses, I know my faults. But he's calling us to worship. He's calling us to, one of the signs that you're receiving what you need versus what you want is that you respond in worship. That you look at your life and you see the wonder of his forgiveness. You see the wonder of his grace. The wonder of his kindness, the wonder of his mercy, the wonder of his merciful hand to, to seek and save that which is lost. You see it and you say, This is wonderful. Oh, yeah, Debbie, remember that song your daddy used to sing all the time? What are you saying? He's a wonder in my soul. He's a wonder in my soul. He's a wonder in my soul. Bless his name. He's a wonder in my soul. He's a wonder in my soul. He's a wonder in my soul. Bless his name. Because he says, and he used to say, ain't nobody a wonder but God. It's like we, we call things fantastic and amazing, but no one compares. No one compares. If you're going to move and make that transition from uh, someone who just wants and wants and wants. I remember an ending story of my children. I thought about everything they wanted and I, and, I, and I actually just got it one year. I got everything. I got everything on the list. I think it was more gifts than it was tree. And they came out of there and they, it was like a machine. They screamed, ah, and they just, just tear it up. And I saw them after a while because it was so many. They would tear the stuff off, the paper up, and they would throw. They would take the gift and throw it. You know? And when the gifts were all gone, they start crying. <laughs> We're, more, we need more gifts. I said, "Well, no, play with you. You and sometimes. You know all is sudden, like, we don't actually need everything we want. Yeah, right. yeah. Maybe we have fresh reason to worship God for meeting our primary need, yeah. which is Him, yeah. which is." His substitutionary life. He didn't just become born. I mean, he lived the life we should live. He died, the death we should die in our place. He's risen from the dead, offering us salvation to everybody who repent and believe. It doesn't get better than that. I'm encouraging you this holiday season, not to be so enamored with what you want that you miss out on the fact that Jesus is the gift. And Jesus is the, uh, has the authority to give the gift that you need, so just worship him. Just praise him. Come on, let's just stand and worship him. Come on, let's just stand and praise him. I appreciate all that you've done for me. I am so thankful and grateful as I can be. As long as I live, Praise to God, I'll always give, cause I appreciate everything you've done for me. Praise God. Amazing. So
3: powerful. Well, what a Sunday, huh? Man, I love celebrating everything that God has done through this church and in this city. And what a powerful reminder that it's not about focusing on what we want. It's about focusing on what we need. And for for so many of us, uh, we we need each other. For all of us, we need each other. And you heard a lot about uh, what God has been doing. uh, And it's all in the context of community. And so if you heard some of these stories and said, I want to be a part of what God's doing this next trimester. And in the beginning of the year, we have some amazing things planned. The week of prayer and fasting where we seek God uh, for an entire week in uh, specific ways. And we have uh, new life group material launching uh, at the end of January. New missions, opportunities coming at the end of January. And a a way to get involved is simply by getting out your phone and texting Uh, this keyword group to this phone number right here 615-933-2856 we're going to leave that uh, there as the service dismisses Uh, and as you are uh, on your way out if this is your first time with us we'd love to meet you after this service along this wall in this area called guest central let's pray together god thank you for who you are lord that we can Uh, God be together we can worship you uh, God and it's not because we love you it's because you first loved us and so father we remember that this Christmas season God help us focus on what we need which is you God not on the answers that we think we need but on the one who can give the answers God so we uh, we turn our attention to you and our affection towards you as we go from this place God thank you for who you are in the name of Jesus we pray Amen. God bless you, church. You're dismissed, and we'll see you on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. for Bethel Midweek. It's going to be fantastic. Have a great week.